everyone. I'm Reverend Leanne Nolan. And I'm Reverend Jasmine Taylor. Welcome to our new podcast, The Great Collide. You know, in recent years, the church has seen an acceleration in the split between conservative and liberal Christians. And nowhere was that more apparent than in 2016, when 81% of evangelical Christians voted for Donald Trump. We've created this podcast to explore the reasons why red and blue Christians believe what they do, and more importantly, how we can bridge the gap between faithful Christians who believe in the same God and the same Savior. So Leanne, I have my first question for you, because I don't exactly know where you live. Where do you live? Sure. Um, I am living in Nashville, Illinois. And I'd never really heard much of it before getting moved here through the United Methodist Church. So that's where I've been for about two years now. So what what about you, Jasmine? I am in the south suburbs of Chicago. And mm-hmm. I have pretty much been in the south suburbs or the south side of Chicago my entire life. Hmm. My entire life. Very nice. And so, and to clarify, Nashville is in Southern Illinois. So we've got the the top and bottom of the state here um, during our conversations and, and leading us through all of this. Jasmine, what about your, your upbringing? What was, uh, what was your childhood family like? I grew up in a home where um, both my mom and dad were married and I have three sisters, one older sister, and I have a twin sister. Uh-huh. And then I have a baby brother who's 12 years younger than me. Oh, 12 years younger than me. So that's, yes. that's grew up. And, and what about you? Where did you grow up? Well, I grew up uh, also in Southern Illinois, but in a different town closer to the St. Louis area. So it's called Lebanon. And I grew up, yeah, with mom and dad in the household uh, who are still married. Uh, I have an, a sister who is three years older, but about five inches shorter. And mm-hmm. she's, um, yeah, that was just wonderful. And so it was, uh, it was a good place to live because it, it sort of had that small town feel, but then also you could head on over the bridge and hang out in St. Louis. And you'll learn a lot about both worlds that way. I'm at the top of the stage. You're at the bottom of the state. You're small town and I'm pretty much a big city girl. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. So this should be fun. We'll see. We'll see what that all means for, oh gosh, so many things we'll be talking about. But t- talk about your faith development a little bit and kind of how how you got to where you are today. Very interesting journey. So I grew up going to church, family church. It was the south side of Chicago. And I always thought, very interestingly, I always thought that the church that I grew up in was a Baptist church. I don't know where I got that from or why, but I thought the church I grew up in was a Baptist church. And then one day I was sitting um, at a a grocery store and at the, the checkout counter, there was this lady in front of me. And I knew this lady was from my childhood church. So I asked her, did you go to Metropolitan Community Baptist Church? And she looked at me and she was like, no. Now, I knew I knew her and I knew that I knew her from this church. And she looked at me and she said, it's not a Baptist church. It's a community church. So I grew up in this community church hmm. uh, with my family. My grandmother, again, the matriarch was the one who made sure that 
we were in church every Sunday and my father mm-hmm. got in the car. We would uh, pick my grandmother up and make it to church. And then after maybe I was about 12 years old, my grandmother died. And when she died, I actually stopped going to that childhood church. And oh. as a teenager, maybe I went and went, and went to visit my friends at their churches and never really called church home. And then one day after I got, I got probably a little bit older. I had had my, my child. I only have one child. Um, I had her. I was in the space in life where I needed to find a place to go for a church home. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine recommended that I go to Trinity because they had a, a balcony and I could go freely in and out of that balcony with my daughter to feed her if she was crying or any of that kind of stuff. So that's when I wound up at Trinity, United Church mm-hmm. of Christ, Chicago. And there is when I was under the teachings of Jeremiah A. Wright, Reverend Dr. Jeremiah A. Wright Jr. And I said, hmm, I like the space. I joined. I convinced my my twin sister to join. She actually, I went for about a year. She joined before me. And she started the MIT program, which is a ministers in training program at Trinity. Mm. And I said, I want to do that too. So I went to ministers in training as well. And both of us, me and my sister, are now ordained ministers in the United Church of Christ. Yeah. That's an awesome story. Wow. So are you going to tell me yours? All right, all right. So I, I, I'm sure everybody asked you this, but are are your sis, are you and your sister identical, or are you fraternal, or do I have any other options? I don't. No more options. I think. Okay. That's it. <laughs> I mean, what you can say, sign me. I, what is it? Uh, what are the ones that are conjoined twins? Um, oh yeah. So there yeah, is like another a... one. I guess there are other options. You're right. <laughs> so um, we are medically identical. But if you ask most people, some say we look like sisters. A few people might think that that we uh, look just alike. Like, again, we were at the same church for a while and somebody would walk up to me and say, I won't be a Bible study tonight. I'm like, ah, that's my sister. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we've had a few instances oh. like that. But, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I just I love that. I mean, and as a gal who also has a sister, I mean, that's just it's so moving to be able to have your loved ones, you know, such an integral part of your journey with all of this. So that's so neat. Um, but as as for me, I am uh, what they call like a cradle Methodist. So I, I was born into a United Methodist household and my dad was actually what they call a diaconal minister of music mm-hmm. at, at our church. I don't think that title even exists anymore, but he was the deacon of music. And that was why we went to the church we went to, which was in a, a neighboring town um, near Lebanon. And uh, he was the guy there. So I got to know sort of the ins and outs of what church looked like, really looked like, probably a little too early <laughs> in life, but um, getting a feel for it that way. And my grandfather was also a United Methodist pastor. Um, so we were we were heavily involved in the church, um, but I it, largely too because of my, my dad's commitment to it. And so I really started to get uh, more into my faith development, probably when I was in high school and did mission trips and things like that. And I wanted to be in broadcasting. I knew that when I was in high school, I definitely wanted to do this. 
And so I went to college um, to be a broadcaster. And then I had a job as a promotion producer for a CBS affiliate studio. And that was wonderful. And then in the midst of all of it, I just felt this, this tugging, this yearning to do something more with people to, to get sort of deeper into their lives. And anyway, it just, it worked out that I, um, not knowing a single thing of what I was doing, I called up a seminary that a friend of mine had gone to. And I thought, well, she's pretty normal. This place might be normal. I'll try it out. And, uh, it was Garrett evangelical in Evanston. So, uh, yeah, left promotion stuff to do that. And most people thought I was a nun. They thought, please don't do it. Where are you going? Why? Why? Um, mm-hmm. And anywho, so really it was even through seminary. I'd never even taken a theology course or, or a Bible class or anything like that before seminary. So I had my Wikipedia out the whole time as they're saying these things and names and um But that was really a time for me to be able to get deeper into my faith and to actually think about why do I believe what I believe? And so that was, yeah, it was like this massive sort of confirmation when I was an an older uh, person. So anyway, that's, that's where I'm at. And now I've been doing the pastor thing for like 10 years and as a woman, as a woman in ministry in the Methodist church. Did you have any hurdles as a woman in ministry or or how does a Methodist church, how would they handle women in ministry? Yeah, no, that's, it's a good question. And it's, I have found that it depends truly on the geography of mm-hmm. the congregation. And so I am now in Southern Illinois, even more Southern than I was growing up. And this is kind of the area where women pastors are fewer and fewer, and they don't place as many females in this area. So Mm -hmm. that's been, it's been an issue with um, folks not coming to church anymore because I'm there or uh, people just coming to Sunday school. They, it's clear that they weren't comfortable with a female pastor. And I'm the, I'm the first female pastor at my current church actually. So they've had to kind of adjust to that, but yeah, it's, I, as I get further North, it, it's not, nobody raises an eyebrow when I say I'm a pastor, but you get down here, and they're, they're kind of like, Oh, okay. So anyway, it's, it, it's still a struggle in 2023, which is ridiculous, but yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that, that Leanne, because I was, I was kind of wondering right now I'm a a student student at Memphis Theological Seminary, and I'm doing my doctorate of ministry in womanist preaching. But I'll say Ooh. that in, in the church that I grew up in, there was a woman preacher. And then in, in the church where I, where I landed at Trinity, I always saw women in ministry. So I never quite realized that it was such a, a barrier to women in ministry until, until probably, I mean, a couple years ago. It hasn't been a long time, but I just realized now that women have a, a struggle when it comes to being uh, pastors and senior pastors and leading churches because of our uh, society. So I thank you for sharing that. So we'll delve into more probably what it means to be women in ministry. I, I look forward to probably doing a podcast with you about that yes. at some point. Yeah, no, absolutely. 
Absolutely. So Jasmine, talk a little bit now about where you are with with your congregation. Have there been hardships? Has there been a wonderful moment? Kind of talk a little more about that. Very interesting that you ask me that question. Right now, at this point in my life, I, on December 9th, 2022, made the decision, or I made the decision before that, but December 9th, 2022 was actually my last day as an associate pastor to Digital and Media Ministries at Trinity. Oh, wow. Okay. So I am still a member of the church. I did go back. The first time back was on this past Friday for a funeral at the church for one of our greats who passed away, Reverend Michael Jacobs, who was actually my mentor. And Mm. he was over my ordination committee. But that was the first time that I had been back in the church. But um, not sure where God is leading me, but I needed to rest because I know that God has something else in store for me. And so I um I listened to God and I made the decision to rest for a little while when it comes to ministry. And one of my um things that I think that I'll be working on soon, I'm not sure, is I'm working on my demon project and I think that I will probably work on um this idea of building a womanist church in an online space. Ooh, I like the sound of that. What does what does that look like? So that's what I'm really trying to figure out. But I got this group of women that um, I've done Bible studies with from across the, the nation, actually. And I want to see if I can probably turn that into some deeper study and sermon and Bibles. And, and so Womanist is really uh, about Black women and the struggles that Black women have. And so trying to find spaces to support one another and grow with one another. And so, like I said, I don't know what it looks like, but I am trusting God and I'm trying to follow and and really see what that means. I have no idea what it means, but uh, you all will be with me on the journey. How about that? (laughs) Good, good. Yeah. Wow. Well, what about, actually, I kind of wanted to back up a little bit to your, your family life and want to throw some politics in there. Yeah, what I, was waiting, of, I was waiting on that. <laughs> <laughs> what what kind of political environment, let's say, um, did you grow up in? So I grew up in a very blue way, very democratic, uh, so democratic, in fact, that um, my father in 1984, so before 1984, had me and my sisters in uh, hitting the the streets, getting um, petitions signed for him. In uh, 1984, he actually was a delegate to the Democratic National Convention, and wow. so uh, he uh, he kind of led us into our life of politics, or even my community. But uh, a Democratic, liberal, that's me. Mm-hmm. Tell me about you. What's your background? Well, I uh, where I grew up, it's southernish Illinois, as I've said, and but also it is near an Air Force base, and mm-hmm. so it's a very um, conservative area. Our church was quite conservative, and my parents, I would say, I don't know how much they loved Reagan, but I feel like they were pretty red um, for a while, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Truly, as my sister grew and I grew and we met people and we experienced life, now they <laughs> they they are hardcore uh, not red. Yeah, they're so we're quite 
quite blue now. Um, as a pastor, I try to stay moderate with things mm-hmm. if I if mm-hmm. I can't, or at least appear that I am a moderate for things. Um, but yeah, so it that was kind of interesting to to witness. My sister and I just say, you know, they're so cute when they grow up like that. Mm-hmm. That's so wonderful. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's our climate. So I, I would be interested. It'll be interesting to see how we bring in the red, and how we do how we yes. bridge that. Like, what, it'll be interesting to see what what happens and how we get to bridge this red and blue thing as faithful Christians. So it's going to be right. it's going to be a task for us. <laughs> that is for sure. But I feel like we can solve these problems. I mean, people have been trying to, but they haven't met us. So. We'll see what we can come up with. Yeah, I gotta, I, I just gotta go back and, and talk about that thing that we talked about in, in the, the intro that you mentioned that in 2016, 81 percent of evangelical Christians voted for Donald Trump. That's going to be <sighs> interesting to delve into a little bit more. Yeah, it is. Yes, it is. Hmm. So we're Illinois. We are a blue state. We we've been blue for the past four elections. So we'll see 20, 2008, 2012, 2016. 2020. You're, no, you're right. You're right. And it's so funny because down here, down yonder, we uh we would love to have the state represent more of, <laughs> of the southern uh thoughts. Right. And it never works out that way. Interesting times with all of that for sure. So, well, so, I oh, go ahead. No, no, I was about to just correct myself, say last five elections, so 2018, 2008, 2012, 2016, 2020, and then 2022. Really? Yeah. Oh. So we'll see, oh. we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. We'll see. While we're, I guess while we're talking about uh, Northern Illinois, and then different drummers, which is how we all got together, Let uh, let's talk about how did you get involved with with the great collide with this podcast. So I would say I, Oh, we, we only got a few more minutes left, but I got a lot of stories to tell about that. I first got involved because I started coming to board meetings for the greater Chicago broadcast ministries uh, because my pastor couldn't make it. I uh, started coming to the meetings for him. And then I was like, wow, I want to be a host. And uh, they said, sure, absolutely. You can be one of the hosts. Um, and so that's how I became a host. But one of the one of the pivotal moments is when I first walked into that board meeting and I saw Lydia. And oh. Lydia, I knew from high school. In my high school, we had an opportunity to go downtown and present a court case. We were on a TV show called Cabbages and Kings that Lydia used to host. And so when I walked <laughs> in the room... I was like, I know you. And she actually remembered me too. So it was, oh, it was, it was like full circle. It was a moment that I could not uh, probably have even dreamed of having to come back and see her in a space in a place where I grew a lot in school and high school. So that was pretty cool for me. Yeah. 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 What a Mm -hmm. great fit. Good. You know, you got to answer that too. I want to know. Well, you know what? I actually, I can't even remember how I heard about different drummers, but I had, and I was at Garrett in seminary and thought, you know, I kind of, 
I kind of want to be involved in that. It's it's faith and broadcasting. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, I, I contacted them and then, yeah, Lydia and, and Eric said, we'll let you do it. And I'm so glad. So, and now we have come to this and our great collide of, oh my, all the topics we will collide. Who knows? But faith and broadcasting collide. Faith and broadcasting <laughs> That's collide. true. That's true. That's true. Absolutely. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but we hope you'll continue to join us for future episodes as we explore the intersection of politics and faith. We ask that you subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, leave us a review, and most importantly, tell your friends. You can also find us on social media. You can go to gcbm.org for all the links. The Great Collide is a production of the Greater Chicago Broadcast Ministries, a communications ministry of the Protestant, Orthodox, and Episcopal Churches of Greater Chicago in cooperation with the Council of Religious Leaders of Metropolitan Chicago. Mm -hmm.